additive manufacturing has transformed the prototyping process by delivering faster iteration and better quality assurance in the lead up to production. Technological and material developments in the past few years have meant that additive manufacturing is now making a direct impact on the production process itself. On this episode of AM Infocast, powered by 3D Systems, we speak to Shell Hafner, Vice President Platform Management 3D Systems, to understand the challenges and requirements to achieve factory-level productivity and performance with additive manufacturing. Tune in to this episode to understand how additive manufacturing technology has evolved to achieve improved part repeatability and cost effectiveness. Welcome, Shell, to AM Infocast. Uh, great to have you here. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Shell, we had you know different insights from Sam in the previous podcast where we spoke about materials linking into production for additive manufacturing. You know, in in that same line, we see that in the manufacturing space, time to market for products is shrinking which is leading to increased pressure on product development cycles. You know, to start off this conversation, what solutions do you think additive manufacturing provides in this scenario? Great question. There's several things baked into that one question, but I agree with you. Time to market is shrinking. I have uh, colleagues from different industries and I hear this complaint all the time. And, you know, when you think about additive manufacturing, we're addressing you know, getting parts out the door as quickly as possible. And there are three, I'll say three phases of, uh, of getting a part out to the market. So let's attack those in uh, succession. So the first part is like product concept where an engineer is trying to fix a problem with, with a, a product and he has a part. And at the end of the day, we're dealing with parts. And where... Uh, additive manufacturing has traditionally been strong is in uh, concept iteration. We've seen several studies on this and the engineer can now print his part right next to him instead of sending a part out to a service bureau. The technology that's there today is cost effective to have a single printer in every engineering development group. And uh, we're seeing times reduced from like three weeks down to hours, you know, uh, turn around your part in a day. And so that's the first one where your product engineers are getting their prototypes done faster. Not only that, but in, in the old days, right, I'll say previous to this, you have an idea and you chase that idea as far as you could until you run into a roadblock and then you, you'd start with a new design. We have several several examples today where People are now starting multiple design in teams and working through it in parallel and uh, seeing which design wins. And that gives you the flexibility of, of making your products more robust, easier to manufacture, perhaps uh, less costly. So it gives the engineering team just not only time, but more capability. The second stage is after, after you have your concept now, you need a design to be factorable it needs to work in its intended purpose. And so with, with additive manufacturing, again, you get that same speed improvement, but now you can work with materials that are specifically tuned for that, that job function of that part. Uh, when you look at things like um, specialty materials for fire retardant or, or hardened materials, you see some people with Ultum 
And there's lots of different materials. So materials come into play here because you want to test your product with the material that you're eventually going to make. The, the other part about this, this phase is once you have your concepts, you're, you want to test them in front of customers. And so you can, you can take your parts and you can test them how they fit, uh, perhaps. Do they fit to the skin if they're you know, consumer products? Do they fit in the automobile, the aircraft? Do they fit in my hair dryer or whatever I'm building? The important part here on this phase is that the materials that you use for this testing have to be robust for the job at hand, but you want these materials to be the same materials that you're eventually going to go to production with. So that's the second phase. Uh, this second phase, this functional prototyping phase or functional test phase has been, has been a, a very strong point for additive manufacturing for a long time. And what we're essentially doing is we're automating many of the processes that are done by hand, frankly, uh, in the past. So, you know, people have done mock-ups, they've done things out of wood, they've done investment casting, they've done several different technologies to address this. And this is where additive manufacturing has, has long been used, and I'll say since inception. But the really big thing that's upcoming is the use of additive manufacturing for end-use parts. And this is where our focus is at 3D Systems. We're really looking for how we can make additive manufacturing, the phrase, come true. And with this time-to-market pressure, what we're seeing is in, over the months and almost years now of the pandemic, we're seeing that supply chains have been disrupted totally. And additive manufacturing can uh, solve some of those issues. You can continue to do production on your part, even though your supply chain is challenged. So there's, there's an immediacy uh, to it, but there's also a protection. So if you can't get your injection molded parts, maybe you can get them printed. We saw this in the early days of the pandemic when not only 3D systems, but many, many companies were devoting time to be printing uh, uh, personal protection, you know, things like face mask, ventilator parts, and those sorts of things. So it was uh, an unfortunate way of doing it. Uh, and many people were challenged with this, but it was just showing the world that additive manufacturing does have a place. Going forward, we see, we see this becoming more prevalent. There is crossover points, and I'm sure uh, everyone listening to this has seen the crossover point between additive manufacturing and uh, traditional methods, things like injection molding. There's always a crossover point where it makes sense for one technology or another. And we're seeing still, as all the crossover points state, there's a certain volume inflection point where it makes sense to either go injection molding or stay with uh, additive manufacturing. But we're starting to, to see some new things where parts that, even though they could be injection molded, are staying in, a, in an additive manufacturing realm because the design is so organic. The tools that you do some of these things with is very complicated and very costly. And the production volume doesn't make sense in, in injection molding, for example. So the design flexibility that, that uh, additive manufacturing gives an engineer when used will um, actually result in a part that can't be printed in any other way. We see this both in our plastics uh, customers as well as our metal customers. Just 
these designs just cannot be done any other way. And these designs allow the part to be either lighter weight or uh, higher performance or the combination of the two and ultimately less costly for the overall part. Yeah, that's great, Shell. I think thanks thanks for taking us through you know the various aspects of how additive manufacturing is impacting or enabling the reduction of time to market for products and allowing a lot of product developers to think a little differently. You know, taking one step ahead, what are the key requirements do you think according to you to achieve this productivity and performance uh, with additive manufacturing? Yeah, I like the words you chose, productivity and performance. And in my mind, when when I think about the, we'll say a process engineer, a manufacturing manager, productivity means performance and performance means productivity. They're almost synonymous. These people are judged on how many parts they can put out, how many products they can put out. Uh, And you hear them talk about tack time and those other uh, performance measures. When When we think about additive manufacturing, Again, we break it down to a few different pieces. So first and foremost, what everybody talks about is the printing speed. Of course, printing speed makes huge difference. If you have product one that prints at so many seconds per part uh, and you have another printer that is faster, that's always a good thing, right? And yes, we work on that. So the, the print speed at the right quality level, I'll say, and that's always uh, first and foremost. It's what people put on data sheets. It's, you know, we work towards that all the time. But it's not the only thing. The second thing is just your, your build volume. And with that, it's about how many parts that you can print at the quality that you expect. So if you have a very big printer, huge printer. Uh, you might not be able to print at the quality level you want for a smaller part where you need definition in, in certain areas. So there's a trade-off there. Bigger is not always better. Um, but you know, once you put your parts in there, there's other considerations. Can I stack my parts? Uh, how close my, can my parts be to each other without disrupting the part quality? So there's a balance there as well. And then lastly, there's just the performance of the overall system. So if you have a big build volume with the print speed that you want, do your parts come out so that there's labor down the road for post-processing? If you have supports, are supports hard to come off or are they easy to come off? Do you even have supports? So there's a number of different factors in all of these things. And there's a lot of capable products out there that do you know, several one, several one of these things very well. At 3D Systems, we're looking at the entire workflow, and our goal is to reduce the time of the entire workflow. That's what we define as productivity, and we look at things like what are your batch sizes that you need, and do you have the quality of the entire build? If you put 10 parts on the build platform, do all 10 parts come off? Because one thing that goes against productivity is parts that are improperly printed for whatever reason that have to be thrown away. That's waste. That's bad. That's bad for your productivity measure. So we're really looking at the entire workflow. Uh, and you'll see us come out with um, uh, partnerships like we've done at Formnext with a company called AMT. They do automated post-processing. And it sounds nice to be automated, but the other thing about an automated process 
is once you tweak in the parameters, you can uh, pretty much predict the output quality of your parts. And part of the productivity of a manufacturing engineer is being able to predict his outcome uh, and reduce or eliminate variation. And so if you have uh, people that are sanding or somehow finishing, you will have variation. And it's just, that's, that's just a fact. So we really want to take out that variability. We want to have things out faster at the quality that you need. And then looking at materials properties that allow you to eliminate post-process steps. And a simple example, but everybody will agree with this, is the fact that in the color of the material, um, most plastic parts tend to be black. And if you have a white material or a natural material, you have to take a step at the end to, to dye it or, or something. If you want a black part, you should have a black part and you could, should be able to get rid of that, that dyeing step. So the lesson here is getting rid of any post-processing steps or eliminate them or uh, at least make them automated. Yeah, so so shall you mention about you know reducing the post processing steps or, or standardizing them to ensure the quality is uniform? Um, now, say let's say specific to thermoplastics, how can we achieve part repeatability with additive manufacturing, which is now you know very critical when we say we're looking at production applications and not just prototyping? Yeah, so uh, carrying on my previous thought, it's exactly uh, it's exactly what we worry about. You want every part to come out exactly the same. I, I took a, I'm a, I'm a green belt in Lean Six Sigma. And when they teach us, you know, if you have a runaway process, the first thing you talk about is identify the source of variability and then tweak to get your process to be the uh, mean point where you want it to be, right? And so when you look at variability in an additive, additive manufacturing sense, it really depends on process that you you use. And so with um, our SLS printers, for example, our newly introduced SLS 380, uh, we did that. We actually looked and we measured where's the variation coming from in uh, part quality. We've had customers that normally print tensile bars with every one of their builds so they could then measure. Uh, They had critical, uh, critical parts that needed to be put in aircraft, for example. And so they routinely printed the tensile bars and they would discard the parts of the print bed if the tensile bar didn't meet their, their measurements. So it was critical for us to figure out what, what is the cause of this variation. And without a doubt, the number one cause in, in SLS or selective laser centering uh, systems was the temperature control. You need to have your temperature variation near zero, ideally at zero variation, which for a, a large a large uh, environment like that is very hard to do. So we actually used a thermal camera to do temperature measurements um, multiple times a second so that we can see trends that are happening within the system. And we have a, a very sophisticated algorithm that uh, corrects that uh, temperature by controlling different uh, heaters in inside the uh, print bed. The system runs totally automatically, and it really takes out that variability that I was talking about. That's the first step we did. The second thing we looked at is just the overall process. And as I mentioned earlier, we have a partnership with AMT. And as the parts came out, 
and people were looking at um, taking off the, the remaining powder off the parts. They were sanding, they were bead blasting, uh, different treatments to get rid of the remnants of the print. And this is where we also saw variability in the parts. Uh, so we started working with uh, AMT and their process is automated so that you know what you're gonna get and you can tweak the process to uh, eliminate problems. And um, they even have chemical vapor honing that can uh, smooth out the surface and provide some uh, benefits to the part that way as well. So again, it's, it's really about, I put my design into the process and we see what comes out. And if it's not exactly what we want, we can tweak the process to get what we want. And we don't need to worry about variation with any human steps along the way. Well, that's great. I think that's, you know, important steps being taken to ensure that, you know, at the manufacturing, you really move, you know, and gives those production quality parts uh, again and day in and day out. You know, jumping to metal for a bit, you know, laser powder bed fusion has become one of the established technologies which is being used by multiple industries for various applications. Can the cost effectiveness and productivity of this process be further enhanced to you know, boost its adoption like again in, in the production environment? Yes, you know, I, I'll make the claim that metals has actually in, in production sense, in the production sense of the word, has actually matured much faster than plastics as far as uh, using uh, 3D printing for end-use production. It, it gives, again, going back to what I said earlier, we're starting to see now engineers take advantage of this, uh, this freedom with uh, 3D printing and really doing some very cool things with metal printing. So the cost effectiveness, again, and productivity have to do with not throwing away a part. And in the metal world, we see a, a thing where, uh, yes, we have a part, we put it on the you know, in the software and we go to print it. And then during printing, it fails for whatever reason. And it usually has to do with orientation or maybe a support or something along those lines. And so we've done a number of things in this regard too. We have a new release of uh, our 3D expert software, which drives our metal, metal uh, printing systems. And we've always had uh, simulation in 3D expert. And now we've added thermal simulation. And the whole point is how many prints print right the first time. Print right first is our, is our motto there. And so if you simulate your build before you actually start a very long print job, you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, wouldn't you like to know whether it's going to crash because of an orientation problem or I, I put the support in the wrong place? And so that's one thing we do is to make sure that when you put your parts on, you know it's going to finish correctly. And this is um, you know, more so with, uh, with metal printers than plastics printers. We see this uh, we see this occur. The second thing that is driving metals is just the amount of materials that are available for three D printing in the metals world. We're seeing now companies start to really think about the kinds of metal alloys that really can do some fantastic things in designs. One of the things we announced is uh, with Airbus, uh, we're licensed uh, provider of Scalmoy, which is a aluminum alloy meant for aerospace use. It's very lightweight, very, very strong. And again, with these design concepts and some of the new processes for design, like topology optimization, 
we're seeing some really cool parts that achieve their uh, or even exceed their design goals, saving weight and being extremely strong. We've done a number of parts where for the satellite industry, for example, where there's actually built-in redundancy and it's still you know, lighter than its uh, previous design. And it has a redundancy. So if, if a certain strut fails, the, the part will still function. It's a very cool design that we worked with, with uh, people in uh, Europe in the Talus, in the Talus industry, Talus uh, satellite company. It's a really cool example of how we can really excel in our, our design and our design goals. The other thing about metal systems, and, and there's a number of companies, but we just announced the dual laser version of our, our DMP350, multiple lasers, uh, printing multiple parts at the same time. And with, a, with another laser, uh, you're arguably doubling your performance. And we talked about print speed before, how it's very important, but we can't give up on the uh, quality of those. So we're making sure that uh, the quality of the parts are what we expect and what had been designed and uh, going from there. That's great. That's great. great to see the steps being taken to further you know, fine-tune the process, which has been widely accepted across the industries. You know, you, you've taken us through you know, different areas where you see that you know, 3D printing is moving towards production. You know, what are the you know, major challenges you would identify or the key challenges you would identify which need to be addressed really for additive manufacturing to achieve this you know, factory-level productivity and performance we're talking about? Good question. There, there are a number. There are a number of areas where uh, we see that need significant work. Um, not the least of which is continued improvement on what I have already said. Continued improvement in repeatability, the isotropic nature of parts printed. Those have to do with uh, printing process as well as material development. Um, there's a number of things there that we see as challenges, and uh, we're excited to uh, to work on those part that we've just scratched the surface on in, in the plastics world with uh, resin printing, either with our uh, DLP systems, the figure four, or with our SLA systems is the longevity of the parts printed. In those systems, it's, it's the longevity of parts and, the, and the, the properties of a printed part degrade over time fairly rapidly. And we, we see this as there's no way those systems are going to be put into a manufacturing end use until we fix the long-term stability of those resins. We recently come out with our AMX Richard Black, which has very long life. And this is an area where uh, we're surprising a lot of people, but we, we see lots of challenges. Uh, we have one material and we see that there is many other materials needed with this uh, long-term stability. So that's another area that uh, we're excited about. And we have some fantastic material scientists that are inventing new molecules uh, all the time. Um, and again, I, I said this a few times, we're really looking at the entire workflow solution. Um, and so, yes, of course, we have 3D printers, and I talked about post-processing and a little bit about software, but there's a huge area uh, opening up around just controlling and monitoring and planning the entire print process. There have been systems, uh, you know, for the traditional manufacturing world that have been around for quite a while. You've got uh, ERP systems, PLM systems, manufacturing execution systems, and they all they all work well. And there's a lot of big names out there, 
But when it comes to additive manufacturing, it's just a little bit different. And so what we've done is we recently announced the purchase of a company called Octon. They have a manufacturing system that really works above the product, but not as much as a, a full MES system would do. So it's really kind of handling the lower level details, masking that away from the MRP systems. So you can still use the MRP systems that you know and love, uh, and then often can help you with your workflow, your planning steps. The steps to an additive manufacturing system are just a little bit different than a traditional system. You have wait times, you have queues that are a little bit different. You can stack your queues up a little differently. You have post-processing that's a little bit different. So all these things need to be controlled, monitored, and um, just uh, structured a little bit. So that is really exciting to me. I think the, the power and the potential for additive manufacturing will not really come to play until uh, this entire workflow is, is put together. And um, my colleagues at Octane are doing a great job uh, figuring that out. And they're using a number of uh, resources to do that. Um, they're using AI methods, they're using the cloud, they're using a lot of uh, data science to figure out why and how things go wrong, and then automatically take steps to avoid those items. Great, that, that's you know, interesting points, and uh, I hope the industry works together to you know, resolve these challenges and really unlock additive manufacturing further. And uh, thanks again, Shell, for joining us today for this conversation. And we wish you luck uh, with all your future endeavors. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Amen Forecast, powered by 3D Systems. Do tune in next week for an interesting conversation on how 3D printing is enabling the fusion of art and technology.